Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 58 of Podcast PD, teaching is about relationships. While students, parents, and administrators all expect you to partner with them, your connections with colleagues will play the largest role in your ability to enjoy your work and grow as a professional. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. Hey, what is up, podcast people? Thank you for making Podcast PD a part of your anytime, anywhere professional development. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We've got a great episode for you today. My name is Chris Nessie. I am at Mr. Nessie on Twitter. And I am joined by my podcasting compadres, AJ Bianco and Stacy Lindis. Stacy, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Chris? I am doing well. We're recording this on Columbus Day, 2019. Indigenous the, People's Day. Indigenous People's Day. And I had the day off, and I celebrated with my children at IHOP. Oh, that's a fun way to celebrate. We did not have the day off. We had a faculty meeting at the end of the day, but my two boys had the day off, one of whom had to write an essay about why we shouldn't have Columbus Day off. That's I interesting. It was a bit ironic. That's a very meta assignment. So what do you right? come up with? Uh, all the, you know, all the norms, um, rapists, spreading of diseases, theft of land, and not actually discovering America. Yeah, I told my students that, yes, we have the day off on Monday and we're starting a unit on the age of exploration. And no, it's not about Christopher Columbus, the like ninth person to quote unquote, discover America. You know, any of those things. AJ, what's going on with you, man? Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this, hope everybody's doing well. I'm doing great. Well, half great. Semi great. Is that like a sports reference to somebody it lose? Reference. It is a sports reference. I'm every, sorry. I think I'm just going to keep the theme going. Every time we talk about a podcast PD and introduce, it'll be some kind of sports theme as to how I'm feeling. Well, you are one of those guys who wears all of your sports love and sorrows on your sleeve. This so. is true. This is true. I'm sorry. Less now than a couple of years ago. So if you can imagine that. Who lost? Uh, the Yankees at one o'clock in the morning. What? Yeah, walk yeah. off home run. It's all Ouch. right. Sears is tied 1-1. And we're about to get screwed by rain. But anyway. It's all right. The Jets got their first win. Woo! Well, well there you go. Yeah. Happy time. So, you know, you're, you're celebrating a double-dip feeling right now. Yeah. Okay. I wore a black shirt for the Yankees and a green tie for the Jets. That's there how you they go. <laughs> they didn't die, AJ. Come on. Uh, it just matched. It was... Jets green and had a black shirt. It was good. Matches the Jets uniforms. Baseball's almost over. No, I, it's not over. No. The latest baseball will go is October 31st. I was going to say, like, it ends this month. No. Okay, I'm sorry. We don't I take it back. Thank you. You do need to take it back because 
for, for me and AJ, baseball is like a friend who's there every day from Valentine's Day till Halloween. And then they go away for a few months. That's true. That's that just a, ludicrous. That is a long time. But anyway, before we make this a ba- baseball podcast, I'm going to give a, a special shout out to my aunt. My aunt, uh, my aunt Addie. She sent me a message the other morning saying she was listening to episode 57. And she's very proud of us. And she enjoys the show. So I have no idea if she's listening to this one. But Aunt Addie, special shout out to you. Love you. Thanks, Aunt Addie. That's awesome. Thank you, Aunt Addie. That's sweet. Well, not for nothing, we did get a lot of people who listened to our last episode, episode 57, which was all about uh, what we think of Twitter right now here in 2019. Uh, it inspired me on the last episode of House of Ed Tech, episode 142, to extend my thoughts on Twitter, Twitter's relevance currently uh, in my EdTech thought. So if you haven't checked that out, go to uh, House of Ed Tech and listen to episode 142. Uh, but today, our conversation is inspired by some feedback we got from, of course, the great Tracy from Rhode Island, who I think might need her own theme song. Maybe she's trying to get a backdoor pilot to her own podcast. I don't know. But she was our guest in episode 56, and she had some great insight following our episode 57 discussion, again, about the value of Twitter for educators today. In a Vox that she sent in our podcast PD Voxer group, she honed in on AJ's point. Actually, the way I said that sounds really bad. Like, why didn't she hone in on anything I said or anything that Stacy said? Of course, AJ. But she honed in on something that AJ said. And AJ made reference to the fact that we should be building our PLNs and connecting and learning from the teachers closest to us. And those would be our colleagues in our buildings, in our grade levels, our departments, within our district. So in this episode, we're going to talk about ways that we've been great colleagues and we hope to inspire you and your next positive teaching relationship. Well, I have to say, you know, um, being back in the classroom is this weird, this weird place where I'm not quite a brand new teacher, but there are days when I feel like I am a brand new teacher and then something will happen with my students and things come back to me in a split. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I used to say or that's how I used to do it or... And a lot of it is behavioral stuff because I've never taught fifth grade. So it's not like I have any schema for that. But I find that um, the group of teachers that I'm working very closely with um, are also new. It's just there's something comforting in like figuring things out with new teachers and then knowing that you can also go to experienced teachers. I have the best of both worlds, right? Like I have the ability to work with and kind of mentor new teachers, but also work with and learn from new teachers almost as if like I'm an extension of their cooperating teacher experience or um, I don't know. It's just it's it's been a delightful experience because I never mentored anyone. I was a cooperating teacher for someone when I was in the first grade classroom. But um, this is just a whole new level of like finding a colleague and colleagues that I work well with people who want to learn and who I want to learn from and um, just kind of having that give and take so that we are, you know, just kind of doing our best and, and, and working on a mutual plane of respect and the desire to learn together. I think that's crucial when, when you talk about that mutual respect and 
I, I agree. <laughs> Respect is important. We're all there to do a job. Yeah, and, and we are all kind of splitting the load. Like I said, fifth grade's new to all of us. Well, no, actually, one gentleman, um, he, he's he been teaching a while. This isn't his first school, so um, and he taught fifth grade. So he has some of that experience, and so like part of his learning is just learning like the district and, you know, the expectations and the norms there. Um, but it's nice because, you know, we split the balance of like lesson plan creation, having conversations, we eat lunches together. Um, you know, we'll have a quick like debrief before or after school, just kind of like set the tone for the day or kind of commiserate or celebrate at the end of the day, depending on how the day went. It's those little times, those preps, those little meetings, you know, the, the Friday happy hour or, you know, going out to dinner. It's important to build those relationships. AJ, what about you, man? Unfortunately Mine? for, for, for <laughs> me, uh, unfortunately for me, I, th- I think something I've done in the past, and I'm sure it's it's hard to control, but you know, judge too quickly. You know, looking at a classroom from the outside or looking at a method that's being used, and you say, "Oh, that's not that's not how you do it. That's just not right." Um, teaching from a textbook, you know, you you, you get a little judgy. Um, so I know there has been times where I'm like. Mm, I wouldn't do it that way, you know? So you, you have, have those, you I have, would never. Right. You, you have those <laughs> thoughts and I'm like, nah, you can't use a textbook. You know, meanwhile, the textbook is a resource that you should use at certain times just because I don't like the textbook for whatever reason doesn't mean that it's not successful uh, for another person. You know, also, for example, using a textbook does not mean that a, t- a teacher only uses textbooks. I'm sure there's other things they do in class that I don't do. Maybe they have a different rapport with their students that I never could have. So there's definitely been times where I have judged too quick based on the look or the sound or, you know, the style of someone's teaching. So, you know, I, I apologize <laughs> for doing that. I never do it to another <laughs> colleague. I would never say it out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, mm, I wouldn't do that. Apologize colleagues who I have judged mentally. You don't know it, but he did. You don't know it. Definitely. I, I sure have. but i I do like that point i mean i'm right with you there i have you know judge colleagues i mean a a lot of the things that i will judge people on is based on what i see from you know being on twitter and connecting and seeing what's out there you know i i have an opinion that i form about well i see what other people are doing based on what they're sharing or blogging about or podcasting Mm -hmm. about and you know i wonder God, how did you get your job? Like, how do you do what you do? And like, how have you stayed with it? And how, why do you stay with it? You know, when there are so many other opportunities out there to enhance what you do, you know, and that's, you know, that that's teachers I work with, that's administrators I've worked with. And I think we all have in our mind, you know, gosh, what would that dream school look like if I could bring together all the best elements of my PLN? And all the best people I'm connected with, if I could start a school, who would I have? And, and you know, what would that school look like? Or, you know, who would I love to work with? Who, you know, wh- where's the grass greenest? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. But again, something we mentioned last week, just because it works for somebody doesn't mean it works for everybody. So if you are in a situation where you are judging your leadership or you're 
you know, thinking about how you would make a, a move or if you're thinking about how you would teach a class, put yourself in their shoes based on what they're familiar with, what they're comfortable with and guide them. I wouldn't say guide your boss, but guide them instead of just trying to say, nah, somebody across the globe does it differently. You should do it that way. Well, you say don't guide your boss, but I, th- I think an effective leader, not not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but I think an effective leader will listen to quote unquote subordinates and, you know, pull from and use the people as a resource. Uh, for example, uh, in my school, you know, we haven't had a fall pep rally in the high school for a couple of years and we're going to have one coming up. But my principal just in having some conversation was a little off put that it seemed like we need to have this very quickly. And I was like, well, does it have to happen on this particular date or could it wait another week? And we could put that much and we could put a few more days of planning into it so it doesn't seem rushed and we can, you know, make it an even better experience for the kids. And he looked at me, he was like, Mr. Nessie, we don't need to have it on this particular day. We could wait another week. Thank you for saying that out loud. And I, I, we, we can do that. So I think an effective leader or an effective colleague is gonna, you know, lean on the people around them. Well, that, let's, let's not go too deep into this, but there's a difference between collaborative leadership and collaboration in general and just not knowing how to make a decision or not knowing what to do to make the next move in a classroom or anything like that. But I agree, okay. collaborative leadership is very important. And then that, that guiding in that way is different than just saying, man, you can't make a decision for your life. How did you ever become principal? Right, and that's not what I'm saying. But No, I know, I know. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> just, just based on what I was saying before about guiding a principal. Uh, that, 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 that's all. Well, I also think, um, and again, I don't want to belabor the point, but just any person who's willing to learn is an okay person to work with in my books. Like knowing that you're, you're still in an environment and in a growth opportunity um, and you can learn from anyone. And you, you know, Chris, you're saying like a subordinate, like I love learning from my kids every day. Like, they're just delightful little sponges who want to learn and who want to share all that they have and all that they know. And sometimes they know more than I do. And um, I'm totally the first person to be like, you've got this, explain it. You can do this in a much better way than I can right now. And I will totally pass the baton. But yeah, learning from your kids is just as meaningful as learning from, from your, from your colleagues and your, your supervisors and leaders. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's high school or, you know, even in college, you know, I, I tell students that I'm not the smartest person in the room, but, you know, together, all of us, we're going to do an amazing thing. Uh, so if you can do that with colleagues and not try to show off that, you know, you've got the most content knowledge or you've got the greatest, you know, lesson plan strategy or the greatest um, approach to your classroom management, or maybe I just repeated myself. I don't even know. <laughs> um, Again, it comes back to leaning on people and put yourself out there and be welcoming of others. Agreed. So in addition to what we've shared, we have put together five takeaways or five things for you to think about, and we are going to hit these one at a time. And I am up first, a takeaway for you as you go off into your classroom, your school, or your district, uh, consider caring so you can be cared for. 
Start by looking for the best colleagues to work with. And Stacy made this point just a few minutes ago. These are the people who treat the children well. If someone is habitually kind and compassionate toward the students, they will treat you that way. And you, in turn, will probably do the same. So that's a case of what's good for one person that, that could rub off and be good for other people. Uh, and it's also easy to develop a good relationship with someone whose personality and work ethic you respect. The reverse also applies here. Treat your children poorly and your colleagues will freeze you out. There is no room in our schools for adults who don't place children first. I like that. And, you know, your first point about finding the best colleagues, like I will never forget when um, my sister, who is a first grade teacher, shared um, the Find Your Marigold post by Jennifer Gonzalez about finding the people who share your values and your philosophy and um, just kind of want to make school the best place it can be. And, you know, making sure you surround yourself by those people and not by like the people who are going to bring you down. So I'm right there with you. I am going to add, I spoke a little bit about this, but you know, it really should be a give and take with your colleagues, you know, offering to help carry something from the car, you know, holding a piece of paper up on the bulletin board, proofreading a letter sent home. I love that strategy somehow. Um, you know, that errant grammatical error goes through or your point's not coming across. But if you have a colleague with whom you trust, um, look at your stuff. That really makes things go a little bit better for you and makes you a better professional. Um, you know, like I said earlier, helping each other work things out with lesson planning and the design of curriculum can also be really, really valuable and helps build those relationships, you know, um, to that point, building relationship on multi- on mutual give and take, um, where you're selflessly giving of your work. So whether it's like this flip idea that you have, or um, you know this grand idea that you're trying to flesh out, having those conversations, making those offers, making those gestures, you know, if you're the only person who's doing the taking, your colleagues will totally see through that. And they will stop giving to you. So just make sure that you're um, that you're part of a two-way conduit of give and take. And I love this quote that um, that was shared. You know, children don't always do what we say, but they will always watch what we do. And it's how we build a better a better citizenship um, with our with our kids. Yeah, kids see everything. So everything we're talking about here in this episode is modeling positive human relationships and our students are not dumb. Whatever age you teach, your students see how you interact with the other adults in the school. So take notes, people sketch or otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) They also see how you interact with other kids. So it's kind of hard to um, let that one go by as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, modeling for students is very important. Um, as we look at the one that I'm going to share right now, it's uh, learning from others' experience. So uh, when we think about the experience, we, we have new teachers that come into our schools. And, of course, they have a lot of knowledge. Uh, but, of, of course, a lot of the students that come in or the teachers that come in as student teachers, they don't really know how to put that knowledge to work, right? So we want to make sure that uh, 
we need to be a good colleague. We uh, need to make sure that when they're new in our school, uh, let them follow your example. Uh, show them the way, right? Guide them, as we just talked about. Um, I have seen teachers quickly alienate colleagues by lecturing others. Of course, we know those people who are lecturers, uh, and they assume they know more. And just because of that, they start to criticize and they nitpick and, and they start looking at the negatives of our, of our new teachers. Uh, so we got to think about a positive uh, colleague relationship is based on mutual respect for each other's work and a willingness to take advice when necessary. So if you have something that you want to share, you know, again, giving that feedback, finding ways that you can deliver it nicely and not so, not so judgy. I don't know who would do that, though. I don't know why people would judge other teachers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and along these points, you know, the, what you just shared is, is about new teachers, but that could be somebody fresh out of college. It could be somebody who's new to your district and maybe doesn't understand the climate and culture of your school or, or your district. And again, t- to be welcoming. You know, we've all heard through our teacher preparation programs that we should get out and go watch other teachers teach to improve ourselves. But maybe it's going to see that first year teacher or that new teacher in your building or your de- or in your department. And maybe it's offering words of encouragement or, hey, I just want to check out your lesson, see how you do this. Or, you know, I heard that you do this and I wanted to come and learn from you and then, you know, give positive feedback. And then, you know, maybe you notice something where you do something differently that by sharing how you do something again don't you don't need to be preachy but you know hey it's a basic kindergarten lesson sharing is caring so if you have the opportunity to help a colleague take advantage of that you know go sit in somebody's classroom and you know be an observer and have a conversation also important is to be a great listener Uh, we as teachers we are solution oriented people uh, and it's also tough to not bring that home into the married life where Sometimes your partner just wants to vent and you want to try and solve the problem. Sorry, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What does listening have to do with problem solving? Well, good colleagues are willing to hear people out when they unload their frustrations and concerns. So sometimes you need to, as we tell students, listen with your two ears and shut your one mouth and just be someone who listens. Uh, People will often find the answers to their own questions if they talk long enough about them. So sometimes you just have to be a good friend and listen. You simply need to nod your head and affirm what the other person is saying or feeling without attempting to solve the problem. If they are truly stumped, then you might begin to offer some specific advice, but it's far better to let them get there on their own. I read a book about that last year called Quiet Leadership, and that is basically the summary of that book in a nutshell. It's just kind of you know, as you're leading people, you know, you're not the one with all the answers and helping them arrive at their solutions is much more powerful. Kind of like we want our kids to arrive at their own solutions. I keep bringing this back to like how this works with children, but yeah. It's my I think new that's lens. important though. <laughs> it's a great perspective. Yeah. And I think one thing is there's a difference between listening and listening to answer. So Yes. You had mentioned, Chris, shut your mouth, but like in your mind, no, like in all, in all seriousness, in your mind, don't listen and say, okay, how do I answer this? You don't always have to, you know, so don't, because when you're thinking of your, your answer to this person's problem, you're not really listening to them. You're off in your world trying to put the things in motion to, to help them. Solve I mean, the problem. Right. To solve their problem, but they don't want help. 
they might just want to speak. So listen with the intent of listening and not with the intent of just answering them and saying more to confuse them. And I think to that end too, you can always ask them, you know, if they're like, hey, do you have time to talk? And you could always clear the air and just say, you know, do you want me to be a sounding board or am I listening to help you arrive at a solution? Sometimes and, and even asking, knowing, would you yeah. like to know what I think? Yeah. Yes. Getting permission to do that is also a nice way to kind of turn the tables and kind of bring the power back to them. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And if you do an effective job listening, they might come to a conclusion or solve their problem, so to speak, before you even have to ask that. So shut your mouth and listen, people. <laughs> shut your mouth. And with that, I'm going to go to the last one that we talked about, and that is make good choices. Uh, you can't choose your colleagues, but you can choose the ones you spend time with. As I've said many times, over time, you'll become the average of your five closest fellow teachers. Keep that in mind when they show you their attitude towards students, parents, and your school. Whether you like it or not, eventually, you'll be more like them than you realize. So, choose wisely. I agree with that, too. I feel like that's why I try to focus on the positive. Um, it doesn't always work, but I think if I do my part to be as positive as possible, then hopefully I attract that attitude towards me. Success breeds success. Sure. Something like that. Iron sharpens iron. Like where we just going to throw a little cliche. Positive attracts positive. I don't know. (laughs) But you're not science teachers. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I mean, I have people that I work with that I, I think, you know, ignite a fire in me to, you know, be, bring my best self every day. But I think realistically, there are also people I work with who I know that I can go and talk to them when I want to complain or they're going to come. I mean, I, I think it's a balance. There are yeah. times where I feel like I'm riding the highest of high in education and I feel like I'm, you know, making a difference And there are days where it's like, what am I doing? Could my wheels be any more stuck in the sand? And there are people I can go to who will be sounding boards for both the positive and negatives of education. Uh, some of those blend, but I think it's important to, again, identify the people that you want to spend this time with. You know, who is in the faculty room? Whose classroom can you go and hang out in on a prep? You know, who do you eat lunch with? Who can you hit up on Voxer to like, talk you through some of the things yeah i got you yeah or or you know who are you texting again we're, we're talking about who are we connecting with and building relationships with in our departments in our buildings again before we can really think about what am i going to do on twitter and how am i going to connect with the whole world as we talked about in our last episode no so. and i and i agree with you but i feel like a lot of times i don't burden my colleagues with some of the things i go to you guys do you know what I mean? Like, it's, sometimes it's easier to have that outside perspective or just be in a safe space where you just know that, like, you can vent for, like, half a second and it's not going to affect the people that you're venting to. Yeah, I see it. That's what I mean by the Voxer thing. Okay. Yeah. But I, I totally get you. Like, it's nice to have those people to have those conversations with good, bad, or otherwise, because those are the people that are living it with you day in and day out. Their kids are a lot, a lot like your kids. Your administrators are the same. Your colleague down the hallway is the same person. You know what I mean? So like they also get that side that, um, you know, people outside of your district might have perspective for. 
in the end, I think when we look at building relationships, honestly, it goes back to knocking on doors and getting to know the people around you better. Take a chance. Talk to somebody you haven't really spoken to in your school. Don't just judge based on the kids' reactions of these people or what you have heard or what you have seen, whether they're neat, sloppy, uh, whatever the case may be. Take a chance. Knock on a door. Find somebody that you're not really connected with on a daily basis and see what they do that can help you improve what you do on a daily basis. If it's nothing, so be it. But at least you made that connection. Maybe you'll help them in the end. I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I like that. So based on what we've shared in this episode, if you have input or thoughts or strategies that you've employed to make great connections with your colleagues, we want to hear them. Go out to podcastpd.com slash 58 and you can leave a comment on our show notes or you can go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and you can share your thoughts and we'll be happy to include them in a future episode like we're going to be doing before we wrap this episode up about last episode's conversation. But first, we're going to share what we are listening to. Stacy, let's go to you first. And what is the number? The number is 1618. 1,618 podcasts. Now, if my calculations are correct... It went up. That is up from in the 15... Yeah. It's um, it's hard to keep up. There are a lot of podcasts that I listen to on a daily basis. And then there are a few that I think that I am going to get rid of. But there are also some that have come back either from like... um a short hiatus or a long hiatus and the podcast I'm going to recommend today um, came back from a pretty wildly long hiatus, um, partly because the host, Manoush Zamarodi, um, kind of took her voice to a different pa- platform and um, she, but she released two, three, I think three recent episodes of Note to Self. And the most recent episode, she talks to the CEO of ISTE. Wait, time out. Time yes. out. Manusha Zamarodi is back hosting Note to Self again? Yep. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I had unsubscribed when she left and started her own thing. Yeah. And now she's back. Right, because Should she's I subscribe? on- uh, the last two, uh, The last three episodes were pretty decent. Um, it's my recommendation for tonight. So the most recent episode was, um, note to self, how to create good digital citizens. And she spent some time, um, back in September talking about how the best teacher teaches creativity, which I thought was really interesting. And it was a nice introduction back to school. Um, and then, Last week's episode was Why is Everyone Talking About Digital Minimalism? And she talks to Cal Newport, who I've heard several times on various podcasts, whether it be Adam Grant's or um, 5 a Miracle with Jeff Sanders. But that was kind of interesting. But this last one, How to Create Good Digital Citizens, um, Good Digital Citizens was really, really awesome just because it talks about digital citizenship in a really positive perspective focusing on the positivity, you know, it's a really great follow-up to our conversation about whether or not Twitter is relevant and, you know, how how we use Twitter 
as educators or Facebook or whatever social media, Instagram, whatever, to put out the positive things in the world that we are doing with and for our students and how um, modeling that for our students is a better method for teaching digital citizenship than that fearful, frightful way of teaching it that I think was the norm you know, five, six, seven, ten years ago when people were first getting devices in their classrooms. I just pulled up this, the the book, Digital Minimalism, and I recognize the cover because Caitlin's reading it. So we've been having some side conversations about I should quit Twitter and not use technology and just like give it all up. <laughs> Meanwhile, she was the one who got you into podcasting. Yeah, it's a double edged sword. Yeah, it's sharp on both sides. So anyway, um, note to self, how to create good digital citizens. Totally listen-worthy. Yeah. Um, and definitely resubscribe. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm glad to uh, to hear that that is back. And uh, hey, Manoush, we want to talk to you. So we're going to reach out, be a guest. All right, I got one that is not education-related, but it, I really enjoyed listening to it because I'm Italian. So this is uh, back to the art of manliness well. Art of Manliness, episode number 551, and the title of this episode is Inside the Gangster's Code. That's right, gangsters. So, Lou Ferrante, not Lou Ferrigno, that's the Hulk, Lou Ferrante (laughs) (laughs) was a mobster who worked for the Gambino crime family and made a trade out of hijacking trucks loaded with expensive goods. Eventually, the law caught up with him, and he ended up in prison. There, he discovered a love for reading and writing, which set off a personal transformation that led him to leave the mafia. After his stint in jail, Lou went on to become an author and the host of a Discovery Channel documentary series called Inside the Gangster's Code. This was a fun episode. It was really interesting. Certainly scratches the itch of personal learning and being entertained at the same time and feeling some connection to it because I'm Italian. So, <laughs> um Definitely check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes for this episode of The Art of Manliness, which if you're not listening to, what are you doing, people? We've been talking about it for three years. So get on The Art of Manliness train already. Come on. I want to listen to that one. I actually want to like go right now and listen to that one. I might just do that. <laughs> and just by the way, I, I, every time you said I'm Italian, all I kept hearing is the drop playing in my head. Hey, how you doing over here? Hey, how you doing over here? <laughs> I, I was waiting for it to come in. So if that's not in the final episode... We have beef. Oh, AJ, <laughs> AJ, you just provided it. I know. So, so like, there you go. Hey, I'm Italian over here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you my recommendation. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, in episode 57, I mentioned I was listening to the audiobook Feedback and Other Dirty Words by M. Tamara Chandler and Laura Grealish. And I got started with it, but I didn't get far enough to give actual feedback on the episode. So... I am still listening to it. Um, I hope in the next episode, episode 59, that I will be able to say I have finished it and that um, I can give my, my thoughts on that one. But in the meantime, I feel like Stacy here. I added another book to my queue. Um, and I believe I got this from, I think it was Art of Manliness, to be honest with you. I think he did an interview with uh, one of the authors of John Wooden's books. So I grabbed... A book called Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success. And um, I kind of want to know more about John Wooden and his pyramid of success and what it means and what it looks like. 
Um, so I'm kind of curious because listening to the podcast about John Wooden, who is the famous UCLA basketball coach, uh, has really kind of got me inspired. So hopefully I'll have two things to fill in next time. Very cool. All right. So everybody's got three more, well, two more recommendations, uh, an oldie, but a goodie. Actually, Stacy and I both, you know, dipped back into the well of things we've listened to. And I'm excited to uh, resubscribe to note to self and uh, catch up because I always enjoyed that podcast. So I will find the time to work that back in. And speaking of working it in, we've got some listener feedback. Uh, Twitter blew up after we released our episode about the relevance of Twitter. Every piece of feedback we're about to share came from Twitter. So first up, Tina Monteleone. She tweeted, thank you, Twitter, for helping me grow as an educator and meet people like I Run Tech, AJ Bianco, and Mr. Nessie. And that's from Tina Monteleone, who is at Tina Monte on Twitter. She is one of my favorite people. She is just she is awesome. Like when you talk about surrounding yourself with um, the right kind of people, she is the colleague with a fast smile, uh, quick willingness to help. She is just amazing. And I can't wait to see her again at um, Ed Camp. So, yay. Thank you, Tina. Our second bit of feedback comes from Sadie Lewis, also via Twitter. She wrote, great episode of at Podcast PD on the relevance of Twitter for educators. Is Twitter still relevant for educators? If it's not, what is? I'd argue that the relevance hasn't changed, but maybe the ways that we use Twitter might need to evolve. You can find her at Sadie Clorinda on Twitter. So that's at S-A-D-I-E-C-L-O-R-I-N-D-A. Thanks, Sadie. Yeah, we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe it's Voxer, maybe it's Facebook. So there are a number of platforms that you can connect with people on, you know, and maybe it's podcasts and connecting with hosts. Yeah. And I think in the end, like Sadie's pointing out, it, it really is about the evolu- evolution of how we are using the social media um, and making it relevant for the things that we're doing now. Maybe the relevance seems to have been lost because, quite honestly, we three have moved on in certain aspects of our careers or things have changed or we have different ambitions and it made Twitter seem less relevant. But I think if you look at it with a different lens or you help Twitter evolve with the evolution of your career, you can make it relevant again. I'm going to share some amazing feedback we got from a good friend of mine, Bruce Reicher. Uh, he's on Twitter at B Reicher, B-R-E-I-C-H-E-R. And Bruce says, Twitter is still the best PD. This year I'm teaching digital leadership. And through Twitter, I was able to connect with at J Casatad and at M-B-F-X-C. It's amazing. I was able to connect with the authors of the two books I read to create the curriculum for the class at Dig Sit Institute. And we're going to have Bruce on the show soon because Bruce is an author now. So congrats, Bruce. And uh, we look forward to mm-hmm. hearing more about your book. Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. Next up, we have some feedback from Michelle Eaton. And she said, again on Twitter, this needs to be a regular conversation. I get so frustrated with Twitter as an educator anymore. Such a powerful tool, but we aren't using it like that. Hashtag EdChat. And Michelle Eaton is at M-I-C-H-E-E-A-T-O-N. Yeah, and, and I think that bringing the conversation around regularly will 
also help make sure that there's still relevance. Mike Murata kind of echoes that. He says, big shout out to at Podcast PD. I appreciate the honest convo about value of Twitter. Excited to share the latest episode with hashtag ATUDL. Our group is learning about the power of Twitter. And you can reach out and connect with Mike at MMATP. Also, we've got to make sure we give a, a, a huge shout out to Mike because he also added his point of view to this conversation in his podcast, which is called Inclusive Technology for All. And that's the number four for all. And this was his episode number 56, where he shouted us out all by name. And uh, he went on for a few minutes about the conversation that we had and really got into his thoughts. So we'll include a link to the show to his episode uh, in our show notes out at podcastpd.com slash 58. And you should definitely subscribe to Mike's podcast in general. He's doing a nice job over there. And in response to Mike, we have Kelly Suiting on Twitter said, this podcast did make me rethink how I use Twitter today compared to when I first joined. I share more resources now and I gain so much via Twitter chats. And you can follow Kelly and check her out at K-S-U-D-I-N-G. You know, that's a valid point, too. We came at it from a perspective of being prolific users of Twitter in the beginning. Your evolution could be that you were lurking or that you were kind of on the sidelines watching Twitter scroll past you. But if now all of a sudden you're participating and sharing the work that you're doing, that's also an evolution that I hadn't even considered. So, Kelly, thank you for that that perspective. I appreciate that. Do you want to take the last piece of feedback we got? You got it. All right. So Laura Stoddard adds, oh man, yes, it's still very relevant. I've made more connections than I ever thought I would with Twitter and I constantly benefit from the PD I can find here. It's only as good as we make it with participation, but I know so many that find it relevant. And you can reach out Laura at teachpg21. So that's teachpage21. Thank you to everybody who shared their thoughts on Twitter about Twitter and its relevance for educators. Uh, we look forward to hearing what you think about what we shared in this episode uh, on Twitter or on Voxer or again, going to podcastpd.com slash 58. And before Stacy does the magic, we have some more Twitter shout outs, some new followers we have on Twitter. So we want to welcome to the podcast PD community at Dr. Sensibaugh. At Jane Kerslake, at IonAXS, at Alyssa to sell OTR, at Leonia Principal, at Link underscore PD, and at Sue Tranchina. So there will be links to all of these awesome people on Twitter in the show notes for this episode. So grow your network and continue to decide what value you get from Twitter and connecting online. On that note, gentlemen, it is time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. <laughs> goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all of the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website at podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. 
And I would love it if you also checked out the House of Ed Tech podcast over on chrisnessy.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We would also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com slash Facebook to join. You can also help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with your colleagues. And if you do it on social media, please tag us.